When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zipline through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Hello and welcome to The Price of Football, the show that looks at the money behind the beautiful game with me, Kevin Day, and Liverpool University's Kieran Maguire, who, between us, in our last show, managed to find five different ways to pronounce the word convincing. <laughs> um, and boy, did you let us know about it. Thank you so much. Well, um, Swiss Ramble let us know. He, he, can, he can do it in four different languages. Well, of course he can, if he chooses to. But he just he's a dilettante, isn't he? He just dips in and out of <laughs> social media, tells us how to pronounce words, and then disappears again. Like the, it's like the Scarlet Pimpernel of football finance, Kieran. Um, now, listeners, you may notice we sound a bit confused and suspicious today. That's because yesterday, producer Guy offered us a two-week break in the summer. Um, now, either he's getting soft in his old age, although it's an unpaid two-week break, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> so not that soft. Or he has finally realised his dream and he's getting Swiss Ramble and Michael McIntyre to present two pilot episodes. Either way, he's up to something. Um, we'll keep you abreast of that because Kieran and I don't necessarily want two weeks off. <laughs> Apparently, guys, says we have to have two weeks off. There's a risk of burnout when you're doing 45 minutes a week. <laughs> week. <laughs> well, for me, obviously, you're doing seven days in 45 minutes. Well, it's Newsday, Kieran. Um, now, I was hoping to start with the announcement of the new Crystal Palace manager, which is uh, imminent, although by the time this goes out on Thursday, it may have happened. But it's been complicated, Kieran, by rumours of massive demands for compensation by Burnley and Swansea. If we wanted to even approach their manager, um, rumours of £10 million for Burnley and £4 million for Swansea. Will this have been in their contracts, Kieran, or is this a made-up number to deter predators? No, that there will be specific uh, release fees from fixed-term contracts. Um, this uh, this uh, works to protect the club. Uh, but remember, should the club decide to to sack the manager, the the, the, the manager will have something uh, in the lines that uh, he will have to be paid up for the remainder of his contract, or a again a fixed a fixed compensation fee for the manager. So it so it does work both ways. So clubs mm. are always keen to protect. Uh, their assets, whether they are players or managers. Having said that, you know, a, a manager works out fairly cheap compared to recruiting three or four duffers uh, mm. in terms of, of players. So um, it, it's it, it is a you know it will be a seven or eight you know potentially eight figure fee. Though I, I think the ten million pounds probably includes some of Sean Dyche's wages from from reading the articles that I've I've seen. Um, so it, it it's it's a deterrent 
to stop uh, stop clubs just approaching other managers on a whim. In in the unlikely event that a manager like Sean Dyche was so desperate to spend three years in Thornton Heath scratching around for mid-table safety like he's done in Lancashire recently, would, would he be able to pay his own 10 million? Yeah, would he be able to approach the club and say, look, I want to buy myself out of this contract. Here's a £10 million compensation. Yes, yes. So, you know, so long as the uh, the employer gets the compensation, the source to a large extent is an irrelevance. If you look to see what happens in Spain in, in terms of player transfers there, it's actually the player who buys himself out of the contract and pays the transfer fee rather than the buying football club, although the buying football club then immediately rec- re- recompenses or recompenses um, the, uh, the, the player. Recompense, recompense. If you're listening to Swiss Ramble, there's two ways you can pronounce that word. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, talking to Spain, I'm sure Man City fans were delighted to hear Aguero say that he joined the best, most famous, brilliant club in the world ever um, this week. It's like, give it a couple of days, Sergio, please, before you start <laughs> telling Man City fans you're really happy to have left the place you were happy at 10 years. And also, if um, if Sean Dyche is out, Palace's new manager, please don't start saying you've joined a bigger club. Fans don't like that. Uh, it's like when Doogie Freeman left Palace to go to Bolton, so he's joined a bigger club with better fans and then wondered why we didn't welcome him back with open arms. Um, uh, and speaking of speaking of not welcome with open arms, uh, what you can only describe as old-fashioned shenanigans at Rochdale last night, Kieran. Yes. Uh, we've not got the full story on this because nothing's gone up on the club website, but there was uh, uh, a general meeting being held uh, at which the directors were due to be re-elected. Now, normally this just goes through on a nod, mm. um, but the Rochdale Supporters Trust are unhappy about uh, some of the things in relation to the directors. You know, Rochdale have just been relegated, which uh, has, has further upset fans. Um, but it looks as if uh, the chief executive, David Bottomley, has uh, not been re-elected as a director. The the shareholders who, who held votes, and, and I believe that the Supporters Trust was able to vote uh, on on a proxy basis for many of the fans. Mm. Um, so I, my understanding is that a couple of directors have not been reappointed. Where this leaves the chief executive, is, as he's no longer a, di- a director, is is in a very complicated position. Um, but there there have been a, a number of mutterings uh, from the Rochdale fan base, and and again, you know, some of this is. Uh, is conjecture. Uh, so yeah, we, we'd be a little bit cautious in what we say, but um, people were unhappy about the level of remuneration for certain people. Um, and, and there was the belief that, uh, um, and, I, and I got this from a from a source other than the Supporters Trust or other, than, I, I, I've, I've no connection with the Supporters Trust, mm. but, but other than the, the message board, I, I was connected by uh, somebody who does work in the media who said that... Uh, that they were they were being quite welcoming to to Matt Southall. Um, now, if you are a Charlton fan, um, you, you you can fill in the gaps as yeah. to what mm. people think of Matt Southall. He was briefly in charge of the club, um, but also Glenn Thomas, who was the former chief executive of Berry. Now, you know, if, if you if you're getting into bed with people of that nature, uh, it, it is a cause for concern. Uh, you know, now this could just be conjecture. 
But there's clearly a lot of dissatisfaction with regards to the way that the club is being run. And perhaps this is indicative of uh, how uh, fan interaction can start to move the dial at individual clubs. Mm. Uh, by all accounts, the supporters' trust were, were very well organised and they uh, they got on board all of the people who were dissatisfied and, and there, there have been changes. So how this is going to pan out uh, over the course of the next few weeks is as yet uncertain, but uh, it, it does appear to be a... a a, a pyrrhic victory for fan power because you know Rochdale is still uh, now having to play play football in League Two next season, mm. uh, but it does show that uh, if fans communicate, organise, and uh, work together, then uh, their voices can be can be heard if they are allowed to buy shares in the club and therefore have their voices heard. Yeah, when you say people at Rochdale unhappy with certain remunerations, are you talking about directors' pay there? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I've taken a look at the Rochdale accounts in detail because that's to what remind gets me. To, to remind yourself, Kieran, yeah, just just as, just as a brief, you, you would have known anyway, but you probably double checked. I'm guessing, yeah, yeah. Uh, there's no uh, there's no disclosure of director's remuneration but mm. uh i i know from my my experience of putting numbers together especially in moscow um <laughs> that uh, th- there's uh, th- there's more than one way to to skin a cat and uh, uh you know that there are all so th- there's no actual figures given in the accounts but the the dissatisfaction does appear to be directed to uh, senior people at the club, and I'll say no more than that. Okay. Can you not use the expression "more than one way to skin a cat" about your exploits in Moscow? Because it's, <laughs> it's very confusing. And would yeah, would a, a chief executive wouldn't necessarily have to be a director with the board, would they? Is or is that standard practice in in business that a chief executive is, is a part of the board as well? Well, a chief executive would sit at board meetings, but doesn't right. have to be a director. So right. okay. uh, yeah, that they they could be they could be independent. They don't have to be shareholders either. So it, it gets it, it gets a bit messy. But uh, yeah, that that's one way of uh, getting around getting away from getting around things by saying the uh, the, the directors have received no remuneration, but mm. other senior employees might right. be able to. Um, one of the many things I love about doing this pod, Kieran, is the idea that um, people all over the world, football fans and aspiring accountants in the the four corners. Uh, I nearly said of the globe, but you can't have four corners. <laughs> um, we'll be listening to us talk about Rochdale with as much interest as they listen to us talk about Barcelona or Manchester United. But for those of them that aren't Charlton fans and can't fill in the gaps, perhaps you could just explain a little bit about the, the Matt Southall uh, tenure at Charlton and, and why that would be a worry for Rochdale fans. Well, um, Matt Southall's uh, consortium uh, acquired control of Charlton, Charlton Athletic, um, I think just about 15, 16 months ago. And uh, at the time, the the fans were delighted because the the previous owner had been very unpopular. Mm. So you know, it, it's a classic case of the enemy of my, of my enemy is a friend. Uh, from a from a fan's perspective, but as things uh, started to become a wee bit clearer over the the subsequent months, it looks as if uh, Mr. Southall 
didn't actually put any money into the club. And the accusations that were made at him were with regard to uh, putting uh, significant expenses through the club accounts uh, in terms of a very nice car, uh, mm. a place to live, which, uh, which 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 was paid for by the club. And people were saying, "Well, is he is he the beneficiary of this?" Um, and he uh, he 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 left after a few months when he when he effectively fell out with the other partner. Uh, involved, but uh, he subsequently had his name linked with Derby County and the Eric Alonso potential mm. takeover, which, which, as we know, uh, that that collapsed amongst uh, you know, following an awful lot of rancor and uh, uh, yeah, Eric Alonso, possibly best described as a fantasist. Mm. We need to come up with a collective noun for these people, Kieran. But there are a number of men, normally men, who just seem to wander around the country determined to get a hold of a football club one way or another. It just seems to become their their reason for living. And it's it's like, well, if I can't get Charlton, I'll try Derby. And if I can't get Derby, I'll try Rochdale. It's, 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 a, it's a worrying development, isn't it, Kieran? It, it is. Um, and that's partly due to the fact that being connected to a football club in a senior position gets you a degree of kudos stroke notoriety, depending on whether you're on the the right or the wrong side of the fence, um, that no other business of a similar size would. Uh, uh, Rochdale as a business generates £4 million a year. Mm. Um, Now, that's that's a lot of money to you and I, not a lot of money to produce a guy, of course. Um, But... It, it, it is it, you know, by business size, it, it is small, um, but it, it, even so, there's the potential that you know, Rochdale played at Old Trafford a couple of years ago in a big cup competition, and for you to be able to say, "Oh yes, I'm taking my team to Old yeah, Trafford," you know, in, in polite you know, in polite company, that 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 earns you a lot of uh, yeah. a lot of high fives. Mm. Uh, <clears throat> I'm I'm almost sad you mentioned Derby. Kieran, even in passing, because we were on for a record fourth pod <laughs> without, <coughs> without the merest hint of Derby County. But um, we don't have a Derby story, but we have their trusty lieutenants, Sheffield Wednesday, to fall back on. <laughs> good, old, good old Sheffield Wednesday, always willing to fill the gap if Derby aren't on. Now, the local newspaper up there, normally a very reliable source, the Sheffield Star, says a number of players have had enough of unpaid wages, or I suppose that should be not had enough of unpaid it's, wages and and are, and are doing something about it. Yes, uh, and I I have spoken to uh, Alex Miller, who who's the journalist that broke this story, um, and it, it's not a case of as as some people um, have, have have accused that there's there's two there's two guys at the at the, at the star. Uh, Alex Miller and Joe Cran, both both of whom are you know, Sheffield Wednesday fans, and as you know, <laughs> yeah. when I spoke to them, they say, you know, "We never want to use the word embargo or points deduction or FFP. We don't want to ever have to write about this in our lives again. You know, we, mm. th- this is not the this is not the reason why we want to do the job." Um, but it appears that uh, some of the players have not been paid yet again. This, this, mm-hmm. is, this is a recurring issue. Um, and under changes to uh, FIFA's rules, which I think came through in June 2018, if you are not paid in full for two consecutive months, mm-hmm. then you can deem yourself to be a free agent 
and you can walk away from the club with no arbitration. The club will not be able to get a transfer fee for you. Uh, now, some some Wednesday fans are saying, well, hold on, you know, some of these players might be a bit rubbish, and could this be part of a a form of four-dimensional chess being played mm. by the owner to get rid of some some deadwood. Um, if that is the case, well, that, that might work to an extent, but Sheffield Wednesday also have some uh, very talented players who, who would command a fee in, in the transfer market. So um, it, it, is, it, it is further embarrassment. You know, Wednesday fans just want to forget about last season. Mm. Uh, you know, they, they had a points deduction, which ultimately uh, resulted in their relegation um, yeah, at the expense of Derby County. Yeah, Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Um, but even if the players do walk away, the club would still be subject to to sanctions by the Football Association, according to to what I've read on the FIFA website, potentially by the EFL as well, because as we know, the EFL did charge Macclesfield Town with uh, regular failure to pay wages, and that resulted in, first of all, the, the, the relegation of Macclesfield Town mm. out of the EFL and ultimately the destruction of the club as a whole. So uh, it, it's, it's it's a very sad state of affairs that the Sheffield Wednesday Supporters Trust has, has asked for clarity, has asked for the owner to, to come forward and explain what's going on. Uh, but you know, Sheffield Wednesday, that they, they, they don't appear to have a board of directors as such. There's no chief executive. There's no director of football. Uh, you know, Darren Moore's come into the club. He's only been there a few months, and you know he's he's inherited a mess. They've had, he, yeah, they've had four managers in a season. Yeah, you know, all all of these things is uh, is really frustrating uh, because you know Sheffield Wednesday's a, a, a grand football club, and, mm. and Hillsborough is a great place to visit as an away fan, and Sheffield mm. as a city is a great place to mm. visit. If the owner is playing four-dimensional chess in a bid to manoeuvre these players out of the club, it's not a brilliant idea to give yourself a reputation when you're trying to replace those players as a club that won't necessarily pay wages on time. Um, and they need they need to keep hold of Darren Wolfe. I mean, he strikes me as a sort of man, if, any, if anybody could stabilise that club and bring some dignity to it. It's it's him, but as you say, they're they're a club like Leeds United. We're like many, you know, for for our generation, they're a huge club. They should be mm. looking to be in the Premier League. They shouldn't be scrambling around in the lower divisions. And it, what worries me is, as you say, you mentioned Macclesfield, and and again, it, there's all these little ticks on the checklist that have happened to to clubs like Macclesfield that lead you further down the road, that lead you God knows where. So, mm. you know, we need to keep an eye on this one, and and you know. Please God, it sorts itself out. Now, several EFL clubs, Kieran, are considering furloughing players. I didn't realise that this was even still an option. Um, yes, I mean the uh, the job retention scheme, as to give it its proper name, is still in existence. Um, and uh, again, I sort of, this has sort of come through sort of the, the grapevine that we that we now sort of uh, live in. Um, we we did see uh, Chesterfield. Kieran, you 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 do live in a grapevine. You, you live next door to a, a, a wine yard, a wine yard, a vineyard. Yes. So technically, you do live in a grapevine, Kieran. But the rest that of us, is true. the rest of yeah. us, are not living anywhere near a grapevine, Kieran. So you speak, you speak for yourself, Mister Sussex. 
Yes, and 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 the Baroness has has, has arranged two trips to the uh, to the vineyard. Has she? Uh, yes. So, 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 so we, we go there with some friends, and of course, I don't drink. So, so, uh, so she she has she has all of my uh, all of the wine which is offered to me, and and then you know normally getting back, I have to give her a piggyback home because she can't walk straight. <laughs> she does like her grape juice, doesn't she? <laughs> she does indeed. <laughs> Um, no, she's not still listening to this. Is she? Uh, slightly, <laughs> I think she noticed the other day when we met down in Brighton. She noticed the colour leaving my cheeks when she said she she occasionally <laughs> listens to the pod to help herself get to sleep at night. <laughs> yes, and I noticed when she said that we, you and I were both punching above our weight when it came to the women we'd married. I didn't let that one pass. Well, yeah, but that is true though. <laughs> no, it's a, yeah, it's a very point, Kieran. But it's, oh, it's, up, it's, a, it's for us to decide that, Kieran, not the not the Baroness and Ali. Anyway, back to the uh, the. Job. Right. Retention scheme. <laughs> um, so, so we did see in January Chesterfield utilise the uh, the furlough scheme for players who they didn't think were going to get another game. Uh, the you know, first team squad players who the manager didn't like, uh, mm. which you know, that 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 attracted some attention at the time. Mm. But uh, you wouldn't have been able to utilise the furlough scheme during the season for for. Of people who were playing game because the, the, the idea is that you, you effectively put the, the employee into a form of hibernation and they are not allowed to carry on their day-to-day duties. Um, but now that we've reached the end of the season uh, and you know the, 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 the clubs at the EFL have done well uh, that we haven't lost anymore yeah, yeah. Um, and you know, you know and, and setting party politics aside you know the the furlough scheme for backroom staff has certainly helped. I mean, I, I've looked at the accounts of all of the clubs that have published to date, and we are seeing many football clubs now taking hundreds of thousands of pounds um, for, for for their staff uh, from the furlough scheme. And that's the right thing to do because, yeah. you know, we, we're all keeping our fingers crossed that come August we'll be able to resume football to, you know, semi or ideally in time full stadia. Um so the position we're now at is is that uh, you know there are players who are are taking a break um and therefore in theory until they are recalled for pre-season training um the clubs could potentially put them uh in, into the furlough scheme that the players can refuse if they so desire mm. um but it would mean that the government would be paying the the first eighty percent of the the first two and a half thousand pounds per month now you know players do earn more than that but uh, you know there is evidence that that clubs will be uh, topping up the, the those players to full wages but it will give them you know a cash flow benefit uh, over the course of the next couple of months which if it if it means one more club survives then then I'm all for it. Mm. Uh, silly us, Kieran. We we thought we'd hear no more about the European Super League. We we thought that you know the Madrids and the Juventuses of this world would just go. Oh well, we we lost. Let's let's leave it at that. But it turns out no, Kieran, because the organisers of the European Super League are taking UEFA and FIFA to court, saying that they acted unlawfully in trying to block its creation. Yes, uh, the the three remaining members of, of Super League who have not withdrawn, so that's Barcelona, Real Madrid, and uh, Juve. Um, they they are being uh, sanctioned potentially by uh, UEFA, uh, and th- their response is uh, that they managed to get a Madrid court 
to say that uh, the the Super League was what uh, was allowable uh, because under competition law uh, in in uh, in the European Union that they were entitled to do whatever they wanted. Uh, so UEFA have responded by saying, well, in in which case uh, we've now changed our constitution to a certain extent, and potentially we could see. Uh, these three clubs be subject to a two-year ban from European football. Mm. Um, so the response, uh, if, if the the uh, the wording on the Barcelona website is uh, is fantastic stuff. Um, uh, it, they they say that uh, it, it's incomprehensible that uh, that UEFA would take such an action. Uh, that the European Super League was promoted with the aim of improving the situation of European football by concentrating the wealth of European football uh, between twelve clubs in three countries. Mm. Um, <laughs> and, and and without Super League, um, a reform or in an inevitable downfall. Now. I think the death of football that these three clubs keep, you know, the, the narrative that they keep promoting is is in danger of, by some people, being accepted as having some merit. Mm. It's not. Um, it, it, is there an ultimate ceiling for the amount of money that football can generate? Yes, there is. Mm. Are we close to that ceiling? Yes, we are. But then we're also close to a ceiling for the amount of money that people spend on cornflakes. It, it doesn't mean that the, the breakfast cereal market is going to disappear. So um, the, the, the self-pity and the, the, the promotion of these three clubs as victims is, is baffling. Uh, yeah, there is nothing, uh, on, from what I can see, on the basis of the Madrid court ruling there is nothing to stop Real Madrid, Barcelona and Juventus still going ahead with Super League. Um, you know, they could play each other 12 times a season each and then mm. perhaps you know, the, the, the side that finishes first goes automatically through to the final <laughs> and the other two clubs could play in a, in a, in a playoff and that would be really exciting. But yeah, perhaps that's why Carlo Ancelotti has gone to Real Madrid from Everton because he wants to be the manager who is the first winner of this competition. You know, so yeah, there's there's lots that they can do whatever they want, but um, don't don't steal our football at the same time. You know, this this mm. complete misapprehension or misconception of theirs that uh, football belongs to them because they are legacy clubs and they don't like the idea of new money threatening their their position at the top of European football. Uh, it, it just, it just uh, smacks of, of utter arrogance from, mm. from the people in charge who just happen to be billionaires. Uh, yes, of course, and uh, who just happen to decide they want Everton's manager and Everton's manager decides. He didn't take a lot of persuading, did he, by the sound of it, Carlo Ancelotti? No, no. but again, um, compensation would have been paid, though. Yeah, going back to the fir- our first topic, yeah, he he had, he still yeah. had three years of his contract, but that was that was sorted very quickly. Yeah, also his farewell message. Yeah, it's been great. Good luck. Bye. <laughs> yes. Literally, um, Rangers. Oh, I almost said Glasgow Rangers. And if imagine the tweets, Rangers are offering fans a chance to buy shares in the club. This episode of the Price of Football is brought to you by the AI-powered workspace Notion. What if you had access to tomorrow's tools today in Notion? You do. It's the AI-powered workspace where any team can turn ideas into action. My career is sort of a bit like being a butterfly, and I'm always jumping from project to project. 
So therefore, Notion helps me from summarizing meetings notes and automatically generating action items to getting answers to any question in seconds. If you can think it, you can make it. And Notion is for everyone, whether you're a Fortune 500 company or a freelance football finance lecturer. You can try Notion for free when you go to notion.com slash price of football. That's all lowercase letters, notion.com slash price of football and start turning ideas into action. That's notion.com slash price of football. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Yes. Uh, so this was announced on Tuesday and... Uh, Rangers fans will be given the opportunity to to buy shares and put in somewhere between £500 to £100,000 and and to have some shares. Now, Rangers already have 400 million shares. So you are not going to be getting any control of the club through this particular share offer. But it could raise the the thick end of of £7 million, uh, yeah, Rangers have had a lot of share issues over the course of the last year or so. The mm. main reason being is that uh, Rangers, I think, that they have sixty percent of their revenue comes from match day ticket sales, which which is fantastic. They've got they've got a really committed fan base. But in in a pandemic, it, it means that you are you are, they are hit quite severely. So what what's happened over the course of the the last year or so is that the directors have been effectively putting money in to to underwrite the the money which hasn't come in through the turnstiles. Um, but there's there's a complication here in the sense that as well as Rangers now offering shares directly to fans. Um, there was, uh, and indeed there still is, uh, an intention from a, a fan group called Club 1872 yep. to buy 25% uh, of the shares ultimately. And uh, a lot of those shares were going to come from the, the former chairman, Dave King. Um, so I don't know whether this is a, a way of the Rangers board trying to sort of divide and rule between the fan base. You know, the, the advantage of the Club 1872 route is that they would vote. You know, once, once they acquired shares, they'd be able to vote as a block vote. Um, and having 25% of the club, uh, in theory, could have stopped some decisions being made. Um, but uh, I, I've been, again, you, know, you, you, you talk and listen to 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 journalists and I was on Radio Scotland yesterday yeah. talking about this and sort of you know the 
some some of the comments were coming through that, that Club 1872 itself uh, appears to have a few divisions. Uh, I know I know one person who wanted to go on the board of Club 1872. He he had his his application barred because of some tweets. Having seen the tweets, uh, yeah, I, you can see why perhaps some people might have reservations. Mm-hmm. Uh, he says it's just a joke, yeah, it, but it's all starting to become um, a little bit of infighting, which has has resulted, I think, in in some of the fans now feeling that they'd rather own the shares directly in the club as opposed to through a separate vehicle. Yeah, I we, we've talked before, Kieran, about the idea of uh, an individual fan proudly buying one share two shares and, and displaying the certificate in his or her home in a you know in a corridor or in a toilet and that's the sort of thing you know just to prove that they are part of the club they love but as you say rangers have issu- issued a lot a lot of shares recently and surely if you keep offering shares the more often you do it the less likely it is that serious investors will then be buying them well maybe i mean if you've got already there's already four five million shares in the club knocking about and it means that Somebody with big money would need to buy an awful lot of shares to have any influence in the club, or was, have I got that wrong? No, no, that, that that is correct. Having said that, I mean, the, the way to think of uh, issuing more shares, especially when the, 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 those shares are, are, are loan conversions into shares, it's, it, it's a bit like having a cake where initially you've got four slices, mm. so you've got a quarter of the cake, and then you cut it into eight, and then you cut it into 16. If I have four six, if I have four slices of the sixteen, it's the same as having one out of four. So you're not. It's not necessarily a problem because what tends to happen is the value of the individual share is likely to decline if you have more and more share issues, unless the value of the club is going up at the same time. So I, I don't think it would put um, a shareholder off uh, it would simply be instead of going to to joe and saying joe you've got a hundred thousand shares in rangers uh, worth a pound each he's now got two hundred thousand shares in rangers worth 50 pence each so the total cost to a potential investor shouldn't necessarily go up uh, it's um it's a little bit like the famous jason mcateer story that every every single ex-professional footballer tells you they were there when it happened Jason McIntyre, not reputed to be the sharpest knife in the box at the end of season players do. Uh, waitress asked whether he'd like his pizza cut into four or eight. And he said, four, I couldn't manage eight. Um, <laughs> every, every time you meet an ex-player from that era, you just have to go, well, wait, we'll sit here waiting for the Jason McIntyre. So here it comes. Um, uh, we mentioned Berry in passing earlier, but Berry AFC have announced that they are looking at options for a purpose-built stadium if they can't acquire Gig Lane. Yes. Uh, presently, Berry AFC are playing at Radcliffe, which has got a 3,500 capacity. Uh, but the club does have ambitions to ultimately get back to the Football League. Of course. And... Uh, you know, it, it's 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 good that they do have a, a landlord in Radcliffe FC, but that means that they're only making money, you know, twenty days a year. Yeah. And 
if, if you take a look at the accounts of smaller clubs, they, they will often have the clubhouse open seven days a week. They will have functions taking place. And so, so Berry is, is yeah. not generating money from alternate sources as they, as they would have done uh, had they had their own ground. So in terms of where we are with Gig Lane, uh, the administrator has put it up for sale. Um, the uh, the mayor of Manchester, Andy Burnham, uh, has said that he would be keen for you know that to be protected and for to have a football club there. Uh, the local MP James Daly has uh, has also echoed those thoughts, mm. and, and he thinks potentially there might be some form of government funding. There might be a pot. Uh, which uh, which could be accessible and that uh, Gig Lane could be deemed to be some form of community asset, which would give it some form of protection. I think the big fear, um, and you know, it's unfortunate that, that there does appear to be a split in uh, in, in in the fans of, of yeah. the former Berry Football Club yeah. that uh, that some people have have gone along with Berry AFC, others are uh, have gone very anti them. Um, but if, if we could protect Gig Lane, um, that that would be a positive. Uh, you know, and ultimately, ev- ev- I think everybody in, in Berry wants to see somebody playing at Gig Lane, mm. uh, ideally in in as high, you know higher level as possible. So so that's where we are. Uh, you know, the, uh, the club Berry AFC they 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 send me their accounts every month. You know, they're <laughs> they're they're incredibly transparent. Yeah, it's um they they know how to get in your good books, don't they? That's um... <laughs> <laughs> uh, the administrator, though, when it comes to they, to they, to they, when it comes to them, of course, emotion and romance doesn't enter into the equation for the administrator, does it? No, no. The the, the administrator has a responsibility to maximise the the sale price of the assets of the, the company in, into which he's been appointed. So um, it, it's no point, uh, yeah, Berry AFC going in and saying, "Well, yeah, we can give you, you know, five hundred grand for this," when somebody else comes in with a million. So the, the administrator will be purely looking at it from a, from a, a maximisation of realisations perspective. Yeah, it would be nice, as you say, though, if the government were to step in and help. Gig Lane would look lovely with some eight hundred pound a roll wallpaper <laughs> floating around the reception area, wouldn't it? Now, a few Peter, hay bales, yeah, yeah. a few hay bales as well for for the functions. <laughs> oh my God, those! How what a, what a spontaneous romantic wedding that looked like. Um, I'm I'm looking forward to just saying this, Kieran. Let alone discussing it. <laughs> Stoke City are claiming that COVID made their players crap. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure how that works financially, Kieran, as a financial podcast, but I'm perfectly happy to overlook this just for this one occasion. But this guy's put it down as a story, so here that, we go. That's the story. Yeah, Stoke, Stoke City, uh, last week, they, or a few days ago, they, they published their accounts and they lost, despite being in receipt of parachute payments, they lost £88 million in a year. Now, the good news is... In a year? In a year. Yeah, (laughs) that is pretty spectacular. Um, Now, is is there a danger of administration or anything of that nature? No, there isn't. So so we don't have to worry about that. Bet365 are are going to underwrite um, those losses. But then we go into the small print. Um, And um, in, in one of the notes to the accounts, Stoke said that the value of the squad fell by 42 and a half million pounds 
the vast majority of that was due to COVID. Now, now Stokes accounts uh, are to the 31st of May 2020. So, you know, football stopped in March. Mm. So what they appear to be saying is that somewhere between, you know, 30 to 40 million pounds worth of player players fell in value over the course of those eight weeks. Now, I'm, I'm not aware of a potteries variant of COVID, <laughs> which causes footballers mm. to lose all of their ability. Um, and you might say, well, you know, do, do we ultimately give a hoot about this? Well, we then look at the the rules for financial fair play and uh, the EFL and the Premier League, and rightly so, in my opinion, have said, if there are any costs which can be directly laid at the foot of COVID, those costs will be ignored uh, for financial fair play reasons. Uh, so can you see there, and, and we've not seen other clubs do this, you know, you know about, about three quarters, about 80% now, potentially, uh, of clubs have now published their, their 2020 accounts. I have not seen any other club go down this particular route. Um, but you know, if, if you've got you know, an extra 30 to 40 million pounds of costs, which now don't count towards FFP, it gives you a little bit more wiggle room because Stoke had lost a lot of money in, in 2019. Clearly, they've lost a lot of money in 2020 as well. Um, yeah, this is uh, uh, this is similar in some ways to, to clubs selling themselves their own stadia. What is going to be the reaction of the, the EFL? We, we don't know, but uh, sort of reading from, from comments uh, from, from Stoke, they appear to, to believe that the, the EFL have signed off on this, um, in, in which case it, it reduces the chances of Stoke City being subject to a charge uh, for, for breaches of financial fair play. Mm. Um, and and you know, it, it is... It is creative accounting, and you know, can I say that? Yeah, creative accounting is is coming up with schemes which are within the rules, which allow you to accelerate or decelerate revenue or or, or costs. And, and this appears to be the route that Stoke have gone down. And, and you know, the, the important thing is, it, it, if this is the case, yeah, I think it possibly is within the rules, although it is intriguing at the same time. Have you ever noticed, Kieran, how much more cynical you are towards clubs that don't send you their accounts on a monthly basis? <laughs> um, and while, while we're on the subject of, of COVID, and I wish to God there'll be a day when we, we never are, but while we're talking about COVID, um, ex-footballer Bradley Orr uh, has, 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 has a, come up with an imaginative scheme to ignore it. Yes, uh, Bradley Orr has claimed that the Magna Carta allowed him to keep his soft play centre open during COVID. Um, so he, he claims that as a result of the Magna Carta, uh, COVID restrictions do not apply to him. And the, uh, the the local police who originally popped along to his soft play centre, and look, footballers, you know, footballers trying to come up with alternatives, uh, you know, at, when they retire I'm, is fantastic. Um, but uh, th- this this is taking it a bit far. Uh, yeah, there were there were lots of uh, parents and kids uh, taking uh, playing at his soft play centre, um, and uh, Brad- Bradley Orr's claim, which which I have seen on on certain conspiracy sites, um, it doesn't doesn't appear to apply. 
No, I, I, I'm relatively au fait with Magna Carta, and I, I don't recall the bit that says that King John has to keep soft play centres open during a, a pandemic, and there are lots of them in those days. I like the fact that it's called Cirque de Play. Uh, I don't know whether that's a play on words of Cirque du Soleil or Cirque D-Day. I don't know, but he had um, <laughs> he told police quite rightly he did. He had a copy of Magna Carta in his in the window of his soft play centre, but laminated, unfortunately, which knocks <laughs> it's knocks, not quite the same. knocks some of the value off it. Basically, um, yes, it's yeah. good to see that the the uh, the police officer who visited the site uh, claimed that uh, all was behaving in a childish manner and claimed <laughs> coronavirus was make believe. <laughs> Uh, yeah, poor old King John. King John wasn't quite as bad as history has painted him, but uh, as ever, uh, as a comedian, you can't uh, you can't mention Magna Carta without giving Tony Hancock the last word. Does Magna Carta mean nothing to you? Did she die in vain? Um, <laughs> poor little peasant Hungarian girl. Anyway, uh, you can tell it's summer, Kieran, because I'm quoting uh, Hancock lines, and we're on our last story. <laughs> Already, maybe we do need that two-week break. Um, uh, Major League Soccer has handed into Miami a $2 million fine, the biggest in MLS history, over violations of the league's salary budget and roster regulations. Yes. Um, the, the the MLS is, is a franchise-based uh, football league, and it does have very, very strict wage caps. And, and the reason for this is to prevent uh, a dynasty what they don't want in the MLS is one club to win the to, to win the league you know, seven years running as, yeah. as we've seen in, in yeah. some countries in Europe um, and one way of doing this is to, to spread the talent uh, between between the clubs so so the way that it works um, and this, this is you know this is for the benefit of the owners because uh, MLS clubs the aim is to make money um, you're, you're allowed effectively a, a roster of 20 senior players who between them can can only uh, earn 4.9 million dollars so yeah. that's you know that's the equivalent of you know a high-end league two perhaps bottom half of of league one club but you're then allowed um what's what's known under the Beckham rule uh, a, a de- three designated players who they they their salaries effectively don't count towards the wage cap. So right. you know, if, you, if you've got a star turn, um, that they, they don't they don't go through. And this this is fine, except it appears that uh, that into Miami, um, first of all, they underreported the actual salaries being paid to players, and secondly, they had uh, a a couple of players. I think Blaze uh, Matuidi. Or Matuldi and, yeah. and yeah, and Andres Reyes, who um, they they were not correctly put onto the designated player, or all got a bit messy. Um, but uh, Inter Miami have been given a two million dollar fan that fine. Um, the the managing owner Jorge Mas, he's been given a two hundred and fifty thousand dollar fine, and their chief operating officer has been suspended until the end of the twenty twenty two season, and they've had a transfer budget cap imposed on them. Oh. Um, so so you know these sanctions are are pretty severe. Um, but it does show that 
if you have a franchise-based sport, which you know, Super League, I think, would have been the closest that we could potentially have got to that, uh, you only need a few people in charge at the top, and, and they, can, they can really enforce these rules with, uh, uh, with, with an awful degree of control. Well, I suppose financial punishment is the only sanction they've got because point deduction and relegation doesn't really work, does it, when you haven't got a pyramid-based system? That, that's right. I mean, the, uh, we did see yesterday that the MLS is now thinking about creating a second division, um, but uh, you know, that might take a few seasons to go through, and, and it could be that some club owners will will actually vote against it because if you if you do vote against it, you know the, the advantage is that you never get relegated, and therefore mm. you share from the from the, the main uh, TV broadcast pool. Mm. Uh, yes, if you would like to make a small monthly contribution to our pod, which would always be free to air, of course, uh, via our Patreon scheme, then thank you very much. It's very kind of you. Please go to patreon.com forward slash price of football. And if you have any questions on any aspect of football finance, then email us on questions at priceoffootball.com. Um, there's a bright sunny day ahead of us, which is depressing for me, but for you people, apparently, it's a good thing. I know Kira, the Baroness will be off skipping it's, down it's, the vineyard. Great good, good for the grapes. Good for and the it, grapes. Of course, it's, it's good for the grapes. Those poor grapes. They don't realise what's happening. Sitting there quietly on their vine, enjoying the sunshine, not knowing their destiny is to be <laughs> is to be <laughs> guzzled down, literally a hundred yards away from the vine. She doesn't listen. She's not listening anymore. She. No, it's fine. <laughs> no. uh, I, shall, I shall hand you over to the teetotal Kieran Maguire for his customary farewell. Well, thanks again for the kind words, folks. If you uh, if, if you can press the follow button on the Apple Pod, Podcast app, that's great. Um, and if you can give us a review, give us five stars. Doesn't matter what you write; uh, it simply helps us uh, in the charts. Yes, I mean the Baroness is in fact now listening to uh, Josh Widdicombe and Rob Beckett every night, oh, Kevin. So, is, so is yeah, really? we, we have been spurned um, in terms of her favourite podcast. Oh, bless Joss Widdicombe. Oh. Oh, that's, that's nice that she's listening to the made-up family one rather than the real world of football finance, Kieran. Shameful. <laughs> uh, bye, everybody. Bye. The price of football. I'm for the